0: We're back at it again here on Peter's Proffer in the courtroom of current events, and we're finishing our serial killer podcast series. It was a four-part series. This is part number four, and we're going to do a movie breakdown of Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is the Netflix movie starring Zac Efron about Ted Bundy's life, murders, trial, um, and the death penalty and everything that comes along with it. So We are going to break down that movie. We're doing something a little bit different this time. We're going to go through the categories that we've come up with for the movie breakdowns that we're going to do in the future. Because every once in a while, we'll pick a movie that's based on a legal topic, either fiction or like this one, which is loosely based off of a true story. We're going to go through some categories, give all three of our takes... What we think the uh, winner of the category is, then do a vote at the end. So we think it'll be fun. Uh, Hopefully by now you've entered into our contest to win the $25 Amazon gift card and our Trago Sardis and Trago's t-shirt. All you have to do is go on Peter's Proffer and uh, tag three friends or post a question that we can answer on the podcast, and that's on Facebook, Peter's, P-E-T-E-R, apostrophe S, Proffer, P-R-O-F-F-E-R. So we look forward to seeing some new folks in there, and uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode. All right, so today we're going to break down the movie Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It's going to be a little different than our normal podcast. We're not going to go, you know, beginning to end in a timeline through a outline. It's just going to be more free-flowing, and we're going to do it more based off of question topic sections. So before we get into our categories and who basically is the quote-unquote winner of the category... We're going to start with just kind of overall thoughts of the movie and the the angle that they took in this Netflix uh, movie about Ted Bundy.
1: Well, I think that it's obvious this was told from Liz's perspective.
0: Right, his girlfriend while he was doing the killing stories.
1: And Liz had a jaded perspective. You saw a Ted Bundy that was smooth, calculating, charming, smart, family man, all the things she wanted to see in him. And it wasn't until the end of the movie that that changed. But all through the movie, they avoided actually showing the the, the rabid the, the guy out of control. They didn't actually show him beating somebody over the head with a with a log. They didn't show him actually or murdering, abusing
0: people. them anally with you know objects and things that he did. right or cutting their head off with right. a hacksaw.
1: Right. You didn't see that part of Bundy. And I think that that's if, if there's a flaw in the movie, that was the flaw in the movie. Pete, what do you think?
2: You know, I always think I look at stuff like this because we do it on a you know, daily basis. You can't make this stuff up. And the reality—I think I did a great job in this uh, in this movie by kind of portraying what the rest of the world actually saw of this guy. In fact, if you look at some of the uh, the, uh, the photograph footage from the nineteen seventies, there really were—you know—courtrooms full of young women, you know, couldn't wait to get a, a glimpse of Ted Bundy.
0: Right, and I the overall you know, problem and, and thing that happened in the movie is they glamorized Ted Bundy, but I think it was purposeful because, like you said, they were sa- they were showing it from Liz's perspective, his girlfriend that fell in love with him, and she, she wrote a book like the memoirs of something, and my guess is she wanted people to realize, this is what I saw. You know, obviously he never tried to cut my head off or rape me or do anything to me. I saw this really great guy. That's why it was so shocking to me when this happened, but at the end of the movie, they do kind of... Uh, insinuate it, and it was a big portion of the real Ted Bundy story, that she was actually the one that turned him in, because she was seeing signs, you know, when she, when she saw the the sketch of the guy's face, it looked like Ted, uh, when she heard about the Beetle, which apparently was a very popular car and color at the time, which is why it wasn't like, oh, that's him with the yellow Beetle, um, and then she also saw that he had a, a crowbar and, and weird things like that that matched up, and... The kidnappings were happening in Seattle. And then right when he moved to Utah, kidnappings and people going missing started happening in Utah. So she did put a lot of it together, even though she didn't want to believe it.
1: But let's not forget, he was smooth, calculating, charming. Sure. me, He was. That was a side of Bundy that people did see. And that's the side of Bundy you really see in the courtroom. So, you know, she saw a part but I think the movie could have told you about the other part of Bundy and made that a more graphic
0: part of the movie. Well,
2: don't forget that, you know, Bundy's first victim was a law student because he was well, in
0: law school. You say that, but not, it was not his first victim as he, he later admitted to, you know, right. 30 I'm plus on murders. The but show, I mean, sure. Right, the right, right. a law student. Right, right. So we'll get into the categories now because that's kind of our overall thoughts, but we'll start with Because in all legal movies, legal shows, things like that, there's always these really unrealistic legal arguments like, you know, every single show in the closing argument, they say, members of the jury, think about if this happened to you. Think about if this happened to your kid. Think about if this happened to your wife or your daughter and you literally can't do that. And in the law, we call that the golden rule. You can't tell the jury You can't put the jury in the victim's shoes, being like, how would you feel like if somebody raped you or killed your daughter? How would that make you feel? You can't do that. It happens so often in in, uh, legal movies. It didn't happen in this movie, but that's my example of the first category, which is the most unrealistic part or thing that happened in this movie. Uh, To
1: me, the most unrealistic thing was he was found guilty in the Utah trial from what you saw in the movie. You saw in the movie where the victim- The Utah trial? The Utah trial. The victim identified him in the lineup. But on the witness stand, she admitted the police showed her two photographs. That's how she identified him. The police told her it was him. That's how she identified him. I mean, if you had that in a real trial, there must have been other evidence there. Because if you had that in a real trial, that's a not guilty all day. So the Utah trial, to me, was at least the part they showed. It was unrealistic that he was found guilty. Again, we're seeing it from Liz, and Liz believed he was innocent. So that's the part that you saw, is the part that Liz
0: focused on. Okay, Pete, what do you think is the most not sure unrealistic if, part? If I,
2: if I saw anything that was in from the legal side unrealistic, I think they did a pretty darn good job, frankly. And recognizing we're talking about years' worth of events that they condensed down to a couple hours. Right.
0: And I, I do think, because this was not a documentary, it was a Hollywood type of portrayal of true events. And I actually think they did a really good job of, of getting things factually right. We had the benefit of talking to Larry Simpson last week. And he brought up some things that I thought were... Brought up some things that were unrealistic, which he was the prosecutor on the case. And when watching the movie, I agree with my dad, even in the Florida trial, it's kind of hard to see, like, how did he get convicted? It seems like they didn't have that much evidence. But then Larry was telling us how they had somebody that he was, you know, living in a dorm with that was saying, yeah, he did leave and come back at 4 a.m. that night. He was, you know, sweating. He did have a stocking over. Like they, they had, they put him at his house at 4 a.m. Then they had somebody who saw him at the bar at the time of the, the, that the girls left the bar. They had him, someone put him outside the Kai O house right after the murders took place. So they had all these different pieces of evidence and witnesses that put him where he needed to be geographically at the times of the murders and all this extra circumstantial evidence as opposed to just this novel scientific evidence of bite marks and these kind of unclear i think i saw this guy walking out or whatever type of evidence that they showed in the movie so that was one unrealistic part i was gonna say
2: i did the one thing factually that i think was kind of uh, what i call they took a little bit of artistic license is when he jumps out of the window of the courthouse which in fact did happen and he takes off his sweater right and he's walking down the street took his sweater off you know smiling at young girls while police cars are running everywhere I'm guessing that's not exactly how that went.
0: Well, I don't know. Back in the, that day, it's a lot different than now. I mean, I was—I actually was thinking about that during the movie. I was like, "How much easier would this have been back then compared to 2019?" Like, it's impossible would now. Picture on, yeah, um, everybody would media. know. Everybody would know what he looked like. Everybody.
2: But I still think you jump out of a courthouse window. You're doing more than just taking your sweater off. I bet he just took off running through backyards. Yeah, I don't know how he didn't
0: just bust himself that. up doing that, but. I looked I'm sure a little bit. Did.
1: I looked for that. He did limp a little bit right after the jump.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so two other uh, two other nominees for the most unrealistic part. The first one is I get that people were infatuated by Ted Bundy and, you know, the girls liked him or whatever, but I think they they uh, took a little liberty picking Zac Efron to portray him. I think he's a little better looking than Ted Bundy. Just just my personal opinion. And then number 2, I didn't read anything that said this was true. It just seems very unrealistic to me. I know that there are conjugal visit rooms and things like that, but I don't think usually they have sex, sex up against the Coke machine in the communal meeting areas where there are you know, police guards around and other inmates meeting with their friends and family.
2: Well, let's start with that. At least, George, uh, now there are no conjugal visits in Florida we don't have, this doesn't exist. So he
0: in in the movie. He impregnates the, you know, the groupie in the meeting room where, you know, he's also meeting with his lawyers and things like that. That's very unrealistic. And She in fact was pregnant by him. Right. So So obviously they were having sex, but I don't, I guess I'm just saying, I think the movie portrayed it in a way that was not actually realistic. So that is what gets my vote um, for most unrealistic. What about you, dad? What do you think was after hearing everybody's nominees? What do you think was the most? I still think
1: it was the, the testimony in the Utah trial. Um, Because you don't get victims that stand up and say, oh, yeah, the police told me who it was. Oh, yeah, I ID'd him because the police showed me two photographs before the lineup. That bit of honesty about police misconduct, you don't hear much.
2: You realize we're three lawyers sitting in a room, and you're asking uh, who's—
0: So what do you think was the most unrealistic?
2: Heck, I don't know. I don't know enough about the real facts. And I'll tell you what I mean. For example, I like what you said, the vote of the fact that you know, she's having sex with this girl on the, in the, the Coke machine yeah. in, the, in the cafeteria with two police officers standing there holding $100 in their, in, in their hands. But the truth is, I'm not sure how often it would have happened.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's true. It could have happened. But OK, so we'll just go with that. Got two out of three votes. We'll try <laughs> to stick to the structure. Let's make a vote that doesn't always have to be for the one that you bring up. OK, so the next part is the most realistic part of the movie. Dad, what, what do you think?
1: I think the more the, the trial, at least the parts of the trial that you saw, the second trial, that was very realistic. They did a really good job of showing what it was like in that courtroom in one of the first televised trials. You see the lawyers looking at the cameras. Yeah, you see people playing up to the cameras. I, I really give them credit for showing what a trial is really like, at least when you have to show it in an abbreviated form, it's one of the best abbreviated trials that I've seen.
2: See, I agree, and one of the things that I was thinking is we're lucky that this was a nationally televised trial, which means there's there is so footage. much footage. And, so all they had to yeah. do is really go back and get the archive footage and recreate. And read the transcripts and sure. things like that. But you know what, we say that we read the transcripts all the time, um, but the transcripts was cold. You don't get emotion, you don't get inflection, but they actually saw it on the actual uh, reels. So I think they did a really good job of recreating, you know, even down to, you know, the, the, the old poster boards that we used for for exhibits, even recreating those poster boards.
0: Yeah. So my and my and this vote is just going to be the trial, basically. My what I picked individually was the sentencing portion. I thought it was really a uh, really good and realistic portrayal where you have the person's mom get up there, and you know, most people think when you have a sentencing portion, and when we've talked about sentencing before, we talk about how to mitigate the damage, or mitigate, not the damages, but mitigate the sentence, try to make it less. Well, one of the ways you do that is you put his mom up there saying, we tried to bring him up in a Christian home and we tried to teach him right from wrong. She didn't say he didn't do what he did, right? She's just basically up there begging for mercy, which I think happens a lot at our sentencing hearings that we see. And then I also think that The judge's quotes were very realistic, obviously, because they came from the transcripts, and that's where you get the the name of the movie from, but he said things like, you are a bright young man, and I'll just tell you, not every judge says something nice about the defendant in sentencing, especially with this heinous of a crime, but I think that was realistic in this case. He did appreciate something or respect something about Ted Bundy. He said, you'd have made a good lawyer. I'd have loved to have you practice in front of me, but you went another way, partner, the court finds that both of these killings were indeed heinous, atrocious, and cruel, and that they were extremely wicked, shockingly evil, vile, and the product of a design to inflict a high degree of pain and utter indifference to human life. So again, that quote actually wasn't talking about Ted Bundy, but was talking about the crimes.
1: Well, understand that that quote and most of what he said there are from the case law that judges have to, have to say in order to send someone to the electric chair.
0: And right, exactly. And he says this court independent of but in agreement with the advisory sentence rendered by the jury does hereby impose the death penalty upon the defendant Theodore Robert Bundy. Take care of yourself, young man. And then he he also goes on to say, I say that to you sincerely. Take care of yourself. It's a tragedy for this court to see such a total waste, I think, of humanity that I've experienced in this court. I don't have any animosity towards you. I want you to know that. And as we learned from Larry, that probably had a lot to do with the fact that he's already gotten other judges recused, and he knew this was coming up on appeal, and he was being overly nice. I want to make sure this is nothing personal. And that's realistic to me. Like you're saying, I think he's hitting certain marks to make sure he doesn't get appealed, make sure the death penalty is imposed. I think the judge is hitting certain marks in the sentencing hearing, you got to hear some of that in the movie. That's why I thought that was the most realistic part individually. So those, we all vote basically the trial and the sentencing portion, um, which, you know, obviously is the most fact checkable. So that's probably why it was the most realistic Which, by part. the way,
2: is shocking, really, because normally that would be the part of the, of the right. film that it's would the normally overdone. be, that's right, would be completely wrong.
1: Right. Well, you know, I, just another thing just to add to that, it showed the judge also at times bending over backwards. Well, we're going to get there.
0: So wait, let's wait. Let's hold okay. that. Hold that thought. Um, so because that's my that's my answer to the next question. And you can come in, come in and mention it. OK, so we haven't discussed our answers to this before the podcast. So you'll see. Um, let's start, Dad, with your most similar. This is the next category. The most similar thing that happened to Ted Bundy or in this movie that has happened to you in a real life case.
1: OK. You're right. Uh, the, the judge bent over backwards in order to make sure that Bundy got every break in order to prevent an appeal and a reversal of this conviction. Sometimes you saw where the prosecutor, Larry Simpson, got really frustrated, really upset with what looked like really good evidence, and the judge threw it out because the judge wanted to make sure this was an ironclad conviction. When you have a someone representing themselves, it a it's a double-edged sword. If you have a lawyer and you're fighting another lawyer, prosecutor versus defense lawyer, well, then it's a level playing field. But the courts recognize that when there's a prosecutor and he's prosecuting a layperson who doesn't know the law, it's not a level playing field. And they also bend over backwards to take a look at the trial to see whether or not that person who defended himself got a fair trial. The judge was doing that job today. Right.
0: So and that's why I was telling you to hold so. I I would think you'd have more stories than just that one. So if you have another one, think about it. Because I'm going to start with mine now, which is specifically talking about that. So going against a pro se defendant. When I was at the state attorney's office, we had this guy who had tried his traffic ticket, his disorderly conduct, and the case I was trying against him, which was filing a false police report all handling these cases pro se. And by the time I got the last one, he won his traffic ticket trial. He won his disorderly conduct trial in front of a jury against the state attorney. And he was now trying this filing a false police report because he was arrested for disorderly conduct. And he said that the policeman that arrested him took his wallet and stole $1,000 out of his wallet. And so they were prosecuting or we were prosecuting him, I should say. I got the case right before trial we were prosecuting him saying that that was filing a pl- false police report that the cops didn't steal his money obviously so this is a trial that could have been done in what do you think that half a day something like that yes right it took us 3 days okay so it took us 3 days because we had to stop a million times for the judge to explain things to him. He was, you know, having these coughing fits trying to get sympathy from the jury, you know, acting like he was in such bad physical condition and he would say that. He's like, "I'm sorry, judge, I'm just so sick, I could pass out at any time in front of the jury." He was the putting as he was wailing and putting his head down on on counsel's table. You know, he was just doing everything he could to try to get this sympathy from the jury and it was very clear to me and the person I was trying it with that About one day into this trial, they all realized that what this guy was doing, and it was a very quick conviction after three days, but it was very interesting and annoying as a prosecutor to deal with all these things that are totally inadmissible that this guy would say, the questions that were totally inadmissible, the things he would say questioning witnesses and police officers that was just totally wrong, and the judge would never let a lawyer get away with it, but he was letting this guy get away with it because he was a pro se defendant defending himself. And I think that, you know, we learned from Larry that that might not have been the case throughout the entire trial for Ted Bundy, since he did have a lawyer for most of the case. I do think based on the portrayal and things I've seen and read that he did stand up and make some, you know, uh, arguments and say some things pandering to the jury or to the gallery that the judge probably let slide because he was partially defending himself that he would not have been able to do or that a lawyer certainly would not have been able to do Um, In defending somebody in criminal court. So I've seen that in practice and it's very annoying, but it does happen. Pro se defendants get away with so much more than actual defense attorneys because the judges are really um, cognizant about, you know, giving them a fair trial, even though they really tell them not to represent themselves, but they still choose to do so. So, Pete, why don't you give your your uh, real life uh, well, something that was similar to this? My
2: real life crazy case was I actually represented a guy in uh, what I call a run-of-the-mill drugs and guns case in federal court. And at some point, I was looking through his prior criminal history because I needed to prepare for sentencing. Come to find out, he was convicted um, a number of years ago as a young man of mutilating a woman. I'm looking at the facts, and the facts were that he apparently uh, cut a woman's breasts off and lit her on fire, the purpose of which was to to demonstrate that when you owe him money, you pay him that money. Uh, come to find out, at some point, actually, I visited him in the jail. That he, he was always by himself. So anywhere he wanted to sit, everybody would move from the other side. of the How room. was
0: he? Was he a normal, nice guy he to was, talk to?
2: To me, he was polite, cordial. I had no issues with him. But everybody, uh, especially the, the, the deputies in the, in the wing, had told me that you know this guy is a, a shot caller.
0: Well, there. It's funny because there's some Ted Bundy quotes about saying like there are killers among us. You, you, the, the, the crazy thing is society thinks that they can pick out killers or that there are stereotypes when in reality there's not. Yeah.
2: From my perspective, if you would have told me, by the way, your guy did this, I would have said, "Oh, come on, it's got to be a different guy." But the, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of the people at the jail that were talking to me about it, they said, "Look, this guy is a shot caller. Everybody's terrified of him. You know, he at any given point in time is liable to kill you."
0: Or, Dad, do you have any more? No. Okay, that's it. So, the next uh, category is your favorite character in the movie and why.
1: Well, my favorite character was the judge, and he wasn't in the beginning. But he grew on me during the course of the trial. Uh, Initially, my favorite character actually was going to be Bundy. But as the trial went on, I I listened to things he said, things about, you know, this is the uh, Florida and it's the sunshine. He talked about, he called him partner all the time. He talked about thin ice and that it's Florida and thin ice melts pretty quickly. Um, You know, he had all these cutesy uh, phrases uh, kind of like a country boy phrases, even though he's a Miami judge. And I thought to myself, well, I wonder if this is script written by some screenplay, by as a screenplay, or was it the actual transcript? Then at the very end of the movie, they had some real clips from the trial. And you saw that that judge was really like that, and he did really say those words. So he really was a perfect guy for this trial, a guy that had a good sense of justice, a guy that had some, you know, lighthearted phrases so that he could keep things moving in the trial and it wouldn't get too serious. Um, and I think Malkovich really came across like that yeah. judge would be happy to come John across. I love John Malkovich. I love. So John I think Malkovich, he did a great generally.
0: job. All
2: right, Pete, who's yours? See, that's my problem. Is I'm a big John Malkovich fan, yeah. so I think he just does a great job of portrayal. You know, I, George, I look at. Uh, the, I mean, by the way, my guy is also Judge Cowl uh, I'm sorry, Judge Cowart, had a big job in this case and it's a nationally televised extremely gruesome serial killer in multiple states trial so i think from a judge you got to remember this is 1970 something not 2014 or 2019 where we're used to it he had to really you know had a lot of forethought about what he was going to do how he was going to react to a lot of things so I give him a lot of credit for being prepared, because you know, as the, at the end of the day, Peter, you, you nailed, you know, you nailed it. As a judge, you've got to be fair and impartial. You've got to be able to weigh things to give this guy a fair trial, regardless about how heinous the evidence comes out. He's also got to be thinking about appellate issues. He's got to be thinking about, you know, recusal issues, but he's also got to think about public perception, because the whole country is watching this as it's happening.
0: Yeah, so this is going to be an easy one for our votes because he was also my favorite character. Again, we didn't go through these beforehand, but that's funny to me that we all liked him the best. He was just so captivating. Malkovich is awesome. It was a great character to play. He was not in it the entire movie. He was in it just the right amount, so nothing really not to like about him. But yeah, his phrases that he said and how he was, you know, he was stern but fair. You know, he was like, don't shake your finger at me. He's like, don't shake your finger at me. He's like, you can do it to your lawyer if he lets you, but don't shake your finger at me. He would do stuff like that where it was like he wasn't going to let him disrespect him in his courtroom. But if he had a legal argument or objection to make that that Malkovich or that the judge thought was correct, he was going to sustain the objection. You know, he didn't hold it against him because he didn't use the right words in an objection. You know, so And I think that all had to do with why he said, I would have liked for you to practice law in front of me. I think you would have done a good job and things like that. So the easy answer for that one is the judge.
1: Right, and the proof's in the pudding here. Let's not forget, that case did not get reversed, right? and he's dead. So, I mean, it, this is a situation where no court found that this judge did anything wrong in that trial.
0: Right. So, uh, the next category is your least favorite character, and why?
1: That's a tough one, because I really liked the characters generally in the movie. Uh, my least favorite character, though, and he only was there a short time, was the expert, the bite mark expert. Oh, you didn't like him? I didn't like him. Why? Because I think he was... He was don't want to say stupid, but uh, normally experts are smarter when they give answers and they don't give answers to the defense that the defense is really going to use. And he gave the defense a lot of good answers. Um, They asked him about these, you know, if you had a, you know, oh yeah, we went and tested it on a whole bunch of, of cadavers and and uh, it, you know, they all fit, and said you only could use cadavers. He goes, yeah, because we couldn't find any live people uh, willing to, to test take these. The bite. Yeah, he he kind of was just fell right into the cross examination that he was getting uh, from Ted Bundy. And experts don't fall into that; they they think ahead. Well, why is he asking me this question? How's he trying to destroy my testimony? And I think he could have done a better job. And when he was done, I mean, people laughed. Yeah, if you remember that when he was done, because he really didn't come across that great. Now, in, in real life, I bet he came across better. Plus, right. they had more than one expert. Right. But he kind of looked. He, Bundy actually did a good job of making him look stupid.
2: I didn't like the portrayal of the um, the courtroom deputy that's in the courtroom in Utah, where Ted Bundy jumps out the window. Oh, it was like flirting with yeah. the girl. Yeah, he's or flirting or with the one. court reporter, whoever yeah. she is, or the you know the, the person the from the reporter. gallery. And while this is going down, because I'll tell you, and people don't realize, courtroom deputies, it's not a haphazard assignment. They're hand-selected to be in those positions. I don't know.
1: You don't know about that in Utah.
2: I don't know about that in Utah. (laughs) But I know from our experiences here, you know, in federal courts and in Florida, you know, the courtroom deputies are – super professional, they're very uh, competent and they don't just grab, you know, any local yokel and say, hey, are you sitting in the courtroom today? You know, these jobs yeah, are frankly some
0: of the time they're overzealous with like a guy that's got a possession of marijuana charge and they gotta have two people standing next to him, one between him and the judge you know, and whatever. Because that's
2: right their the way they're supposed to operate. Right. So I, I, I just don't didn't like the way that, that looks
1: well, you know, you gotta realize you're thinking Florida and we're a big metropolitan state with a lot of deputies uh, In some of these courtrooms, and maybe in Utah, the judge actually can pick his deputy. And the fact, the deputy gets a job because the judge says, I want him to be my courtroom deputy. And we have a murder case, and there was only one deputy in that courtroom, if you remember right. You don't know, I guess, if that's true or not. So you don't really know what's going on. And if, if, you know, I don't know if it was true or not. But Florida and other states, they operate differently.
0: Yeah, my, my least favorite character, which was the obvious one, I'm surprised neither of you guys picked it, was his jailhouse groupie girlfriend. I just That character to me was just like, it's so hard to believe that that's true, even though, you know, uh, Douglas told us about, Mark Douglas, the investigative reporter at News Channel 8, and Part 2 told us about other cases where this have happened, where people fall in love with these serial killers and, and marry them and leave their husbands and, and children.
2: Was that the Carol Boone character? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Think about that, because we did talk to him
0: about it. It happens in so many of these to cases. To me, I mean, she was just my least. I just can't. I can't um, fi- I can't deal with that. I right. can't figure that. I well, don't understand what? how that's possible. How about the sheriff? About the,
1: the oh, yeah, sheriff and the... Leon, the Leon County Sheriff. He was a pretty unsympathetic character. He was in character. for 10
0: seconds. I, mean, I know, literally. but he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, to me, that was my least So you don't character. like her because
2: you can't imagine how she could fall in love with this guy.
0: Want to have his children. Right. And at the same time, wanting... It, like in the movie portrayal, I don't know enough about it to know if this was true. In the movie portrayal, she was trying to talk him into taking a plea, and saying that he did it and going to jail for the rest of his life, and she still wanted to marry him and have his kids. To me, that's like obvious mental illness. Well,
1: and they are. Think about it. We know situations, or I know of situations, where female lawyers have fallen in love with their clients in prison and actually helped them escape. I
0: yeah, mean, does that I know. Make I any just sense to me, that or just, how
1: many how many times we've heard even in our jails here locally where
2: you know a. Attorney is having a oh, conjugal yeah. <laughs> visit yeah. with an inmate. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's uh, you know, why that that's was a different level of crazy. <laughs> she got my vote for, for least favorite character. Um, okay, so the last category we're going to talk about is if you could change one thing or add one thing to the movie that you know about the Ted Bundy story to add into it. Dad, you've kind of already touched on yours. What would that be?
1: I think that I would put in more of the violent side of Ted Bundy. So that, that they could see more of
0: a full picture, so they see what the jury is seeing. Right. Because the jury's seeing this smooth, nice, suave, good-looking guy, but they're also seeing pictures of the severed heads and the beaten bodies and the blood and the bite marks and the, you know, anal penetration with right. objects and disgusting things that he did. They're seeing the full picture. The people watching, like us, are not. Yeah, they
1: glossed over that part.
0: Right. Right. Well, they just didn't show it because they were showing it through Liz's eyes. But yeah, I, I agree. So, that's and, and the
2: truth is, you only have a couple hours, so you've got to pick and choose your battles. I don't know what I'd like to have seen differently on on that. I probably would have liked to have had a better handle on how many times this guy actually went to trial in all of these different places over all these different uh, uh, similar cases. I think it's, so procedurally, it. how
0: it all worked.
2: Yeah, I guess you, you lose a little bit of the about how horrid this was. Because you only saw one trial and him jumping out of a window in a second trial. There were multiple super gruesome trials that this guy was involved in.
0: For me, it would have been, which probably would have been boring to most people, but after talking to Larry, too, about it. To me, it would have been cool to see like the litigation process, which is not necessarily just the trial, but all the depositions that would have taken place, the interactions with his lawyers. Because Larry was saying he was a complete gentleman, nice guy, professional, almost acted like a lawyer in the, in Larry the prosecutor and Ted's interactions and then also head with his lawyers. I would have liked to see him have his seven lawyers and fire them and what the the public defenders were thinking who wanted to be on the case at first, because I'm sure it was something that they all wanted to jump on to be this, have this big trial and then how much they hated it once they realized how he acted towards them and how he treated them. I would have liked to see his interaction with the lawyers more to see how he, how he interacted with the prosecutor and how he interacted with his own lawyers. That to me would have been an interesting twist on the story. Obviously nobody knows really how that went because it's all, you know, uh, confidential and privileged. and privileged, but um to me that 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 would have been a cool element to the story. So overall, did you like the movie, Dad?
1: I did like the movie. It's it's not going to win an Academy Award, <laughs> but I found it
0: entertaining. Pete, what about you?
1: I thought it was very well made.
0: Yeah, I really liked it too. I thought it was for a disgusting serial killer type movie, I thought it was enjoyable and I liked a lot of the big actors that they had in it. So All right, that's our take on Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you next time.